Let's see. We've got General Petraeus, which may or may not be related to the ongoing Benghazi cover-up. The fact that victims of Superstorm Sandy still aren't getting all the help they need. Texas may secede from the Union. And oh yeah, there was a friggin' tie in the NFL. The world has gone insane. It's November 13th, 2012. He's been shunned by commercial radio. Unable to be bought and paid for by corporate America. And running on the fossil fuel of common sense. For those of us that choose to live dangerously in the radical middle, welcome to the Zip Code Famous Michael Groff Show. of everything else while I was recording the podcast just mere hours ago the power went out the power went out to the entire neighborhood for the better part of two and a half hours to where I live and about five hours to the rest of the area whoops turns out somebody was doing construction they hit a power pole knocked out power to most of the area. The power grid around here is set up very strange though because some areas had power still, whereas areas right next to them uh, did not. It was very strange. So, anyway, the, the point here is, I already did part of this podcast earlier, and you should have heard it. It was really the greatest piece of broadcasting I had ever done in my entire career, and frankly, it was so good I was just about to finish it and retire forever because there would be no way I could top what I did earlier. But here we are. We're going to try again. The point is, I think this segment is going to be flawless because I already did this segment once before and I was just about to wrap it up. The power goes out. So I've had plenty of practice. Why not? Uh, welcome in. It is the Zip Code Famous Michael Graff Show. Here we go again. It Contact information for the program, mike at kmgx.com. That is our email address. It is mike at kmgx.com. Michael Groff Show, AOL Instant Messenger. Groff Show on Google Talk. Michael Groff on Twitter. And for everything Michael Groff related, you can always go to the one and only michaelgroff.com. You can post your feedback, your comments on this or any other podcast of ours up there. You can make a donation to this program. Listen to all of our old episodes. It's all there. The one, the only, michaelgroff.com. Now, as we get things started on the program today, I want to put out this notice immediately. I have a missing persons report I'd like to file. Yes, missing persons report. Anyone that has seen or heard from President Barack Obama encouraged to contact me as soon as possible. Have not seen hide nor hair of him ever since he won the election. Yeah, the big post-election speech, celebration, and then 
boom, the guy is gone. I, I believe he's in Asia right now, which is fine because the country is moving along just swimmingly. After all, we don't have to worry about this looming fiscal cliff that everyone keeps talking about, which will plummet us back into a double-dip recession. Although I object to the term double-dip recession because that implies that we came out of one recession and are moving into another one. I don't think the first one has ended as of yet. Anyway, and of course, I know that the victims of Superstorm Sandy, every single one of them has been taken care of. So it's okay for the president to be out of the country and doing some other stuff, running around, playing basketball or whatever the hell it is that he's doing because... The victims of Sandy, they've all been taken care of. I'm very sure of this. Uh, obviously, the president's actions tell me that those people all have their homes back and everyone has food, water and shelter and the very basic necessities for life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness. Um, let me just take a look here real quick at uh, the news sites. Make sure that all the problems have been taken care of that I just mentioned. And oh, nope, they haven't. Whoops. Well, then what the hell is the president doing? It's bad enough that the media has covered up the nauseatingly slow response time from FEMA and state and local governments with regard to relief for the victims of Superstorm Sandy. Yes, some areas have been taken care of very expeditiously, whereas others, such as Staten Island, are still suffering. People are still wondering when the help is going to come. Power is still off to... Tens of thousands of people across the New York area, the greater tri-state area. And we're still wondering, some of us, some people in the Northeast, where the hell is the president? Where the hell is FEMA? What is going on? And when are we going to get some friggin' answers? Now, I know some of you might be sitting there saying, oh, this is more unfair criticism of the president, Mike. I'm sure he's doing a fine job. Really? Well, what speeches have you seen him give regarding Superstorm Sandy of late? The storm happened two weeks ago, and aside from a very quick pit stop in New Jersey where he gave a very manly embrace to Governor Chris Christie and then had a photo op, he then sped off to do more campaigning pre-election there in Wisconsin and all around the, the Midwest. Other than that, when has President Obama set foot in New Jersey? Other than that, when has President Obama given any speeches regarding Superstorm Sandy? All I know is if I were the president right now, I would be going over to Rockaway and some of these areas that are completely devastated. I would be telling these people face to face that the help is on the way. I would make sure that FEMA is there handing out food and blankets and basic supplies and that other government officials and, and state officials and everyone is, is getting their crap together and that people are starting to get some money, people are starting to get the means to get their lives back together. I wouldn't be gallivanting around Asia or playing basketball or making an appearance on David Letterman or doing anything else. I would be helping the people, which is, you know, what I was elected to do in the first place. Understand that I'm not trying to undermine the help that is occurring or the hard work that people are doing across the area. I'm just saying that the president should be there giving some speeches or getting on TV and reassuring people that more help is on the way or going, as I said, going in person to some of those people that are still without power and talking to them or at least making sure that if FEMA has the embarrassingly slow response time like they did during Hurricane Katrina, that some asses are going to be kicked, some names are going to be taken, some heads are going to roll. That is what the president should be doing, not running around over there in Asia. I mean, come on, this is ridiculous. Now, it's entirely possible that I'm setting my standards just a little too high. 
This is only one of the richest and most industrialized nations in the world. New York is only one of the richest states in the union. So the fact that the resources aren't getting there in a timely fashion, I guess maybe I expected an A plus and I should have set my standards toward a D minus. And as I'm sitting here thinking about it, I really don't know what's worse. The fact that the president has given a very mediocre response to all of this. The fact that FEMA has had a slow response time. Or the fact that the media has been complicit in not reporting what's going on. The fact that the media has sort of taken this story and put it on the back burner and only occasionally we do get a little blurb here or there about what's going on. And the fact that another storm is hitting the area. But really, there hasn't been nearly enough coverage. After Hurricane Katrina, we heard about how George W. Bush and Michael Brown and and uh, all these other guys, FEMA and everybody in the federal government and state governments and all this, they, how they failed completely. It was a failed response time. Everything was bad. In this one, under very similar circumstances, we're hearing very little of that in spite of the fact that we've had numerous reports of how bad things really are. Not everywhere. It's not global. But there are areas where it is terrible and where the responses have been so bad and the media coverage of that has just been abysmal. They continue to cover for this administration, this president, this government. I don't understand it. With that having been said, I think that's the perfect opportunity to transition into the General Petraeus Benghazi cover-up CIA FBI FUBAR situation that's currently going on. The only thing more convoluted than this sex scandal are the overtime rules in the NFL. I am having a hard time doing the flow chart on who's involved with who, what's going on where. It is a massive situation. So I guess we'll get to it this way. First of all, for those of you that don't know anything about it at all, General Petraeus, the once decorated four-star general in the United States military, last year, I believe it was November of last year, he became the head of the CIA. Now, some time ago, there was a woman, a biographer named Paula Broadwell that wanted to do an extensive piece on General Petraeus, sort of a chronicle of his life and what's going on with him now in the CIA and all this sort of thing. So, of course, they're spending time together doing their chronicling and then chronicling leads to fornicating, I guess. They get into a relationship and things get kind of crazy from there. We should probably underscore the conversation by saying General Petraeus is married and has been for about 30-something years. Now, of course, he's hooking up, having an affair with this Paula Broadwell. They're having all kinds of crazy sex. Things are going along just great. And then she suspects someone else has the hots for her new man. All of this sounds like crazy, salacious Hollywood gossip. Anyway, this Paula Broadwell suspects that another woman, Jill Kelly, has an interest in General Petraeus. So supposedly Paula Broadwell does what any level-headed person would do and sends thousands of threatening emails to this Jill Kelly. Jill Kelly turns all of this over to the FBI saying there's a woman that is sending thousands of threatening emails to me. So an investigator from the FBI starts looking into it and it gets even nuttier from there. Now, the investigator that is supposed to be looking into Paula Broadwell and General Petraeus and all the nonsense that's going on there, he starts sending shirtless photos of himself to Jill Kelly. And now you might be asking, well, who the hell is this Jill Kelly and why is she all of a sudden so popular and, and what's her role in all this? She is uh, an unpaid liaison to the military, I guess. 
And she was, I guess, interested in supposedly interested in General Petraeus and supposedly sending him email and supposedly uh, touching him provocatively at times. And Paula Broadwell wrote her email saying, stay away from my man. By the way, in all of this, I just want to make sure that we once again note General Petraeus is married to a woman named Holly Petraeus, who has found out all of this through the media. And she is supposedly very, very embarrassed and very frustrated. And before we get any further, I wish people would stop excoriating Holly Petraeus and poking fun at her and all this kind of stuff. I actually read in, I think it was the New York Post, somewhere in the article, somebody calls her frumpy and makes fun of her appearance. Look, yes, she's an older woman. We get it. Uh, And I understand that. She doesn't have the appearance, I guess, of a Jill Kelly or a Paula Broadwell, but she has stood by General Petraeus for the better part of, I don't know, 30, 35 years and should be commended for that. And now she's, look, I'm sure she's going to walk away. I'm sure she's going to dump his ass. But to make fun of her appearance and to make fun of the fact that she's an older woman and, and well, uh, what did she do wrong in this marriage to drive him away? All of that is just so silly. From everything that seems to have ever been written about Holly Petraeus, she seems to be a very lovely woman, almost saintly in nature. So to attack her character does seem just a little bit low rent. That having been said, though, if you want to attack General Petraeus or rip on Paula Broadwell or Jill Kelly or this other FBI agent, well, that's fine because they're all quite deserving of the criticism, but I would probably leave Holly Petraeus out of it. The bigger question I have in all of this is General Petraeus stepped down last Wednesday, a day after the election, because he admitted to having an extramarital affair. All right. But the White House knew about all of this before the election. Now, General Petraeus is stepping down as head of the CIA and he will not have to testify necessarily in the Benghazi incident, in what went down with Benghazi, what people knew, when they knew it. All of this information. So it's a very convenient step down for him. And all of this other stuff that's coming out is a very convenient distraction from what's going on with Benghazi and the looming investigation. So as a result of all this, General Petraeus will not have to testify immediately. Now, obviously, Congress can issue subpoenas. They can get him up there and and do all the grilling that they want. But in the meantime, the media and the government can completely besmirch the guy's character and credibility and try and run him into the ground long before that happens. Because even though General Petraeus has a spotless, pristine service record to the United States of America. And he was a, he's a decorated four-star general. Yeah, he also did cheat on his wife. But to me, the two are mutually exclusive. What somebody does in their personal life and what they do in their professional life are completely different things. After all, remember, that was the same thing that the Democrats always said about Bill Clinton. They said, hey, the guy may have uh, gotten a couple of blowjobs from Monica Lewinsky while he was in the White House, but hey, that doesn't affect his job as president of the United States. Lyndon Johnson, he cheated on Lady Bird Johnson with uh, God knows how many chicks uh, over the over the years that he was in office, but hey, it doesn't affect the job that he did. Well, actually, he did a terrible job, so that probably wouldn't be a very good example. But, you know, this happens with presidents of the United States. So why are we all of a sudden excoriating General David Petraeus? 
Oh, yeah, I know why. Because we have to assassinate his credibility so that when he goes up and testifies about Obama and the administration and the State Department and what they knew and when they knew it, they can just say, oh, yeah, well, uh, we'd like to believe you on all this, General, but... um, Yeah, you cheated on your wife, so therefore, if you lied about that, you're probably lying about this, even though the two are completely exclusive, but that's what they're going to try and do. You can mark my words. Incidentally, anybody else find it very convenient that Secretary of State Hillary Clinton is resigning and Defense Secretary Robert Gates is stepping down as well? Both people that can shed more light on what happened in Benghazi Both people, at least uh, Hillary Clinton, who supposedly had a live view as to what was going on. And the State Department had a real-time view as to what was happening with our Libyan consulate when it was all going down. And now these people are conveniently resigning. Now, that doesn't mean that they don't have to testify. It means that they don't have to testify right now. It means that we have to have subpoenas. And in the meantime, they can be prepped for what they're supposed to say or whatever. But I think Hillary Clinton is actually doing this. uh, She's actually very smart about all of this. Say what you will. I don't like her politics one bit, but she is a very savvy and sophisticated political mind. She knows what she's doing. Everything is quite calculated. She stood by President Clinton after the Monica situation. And uh, look, she didn't decide to divorce the guy. And that was the best career move for her. It springboarded her into being a senator from the state of New York. She did that for six years. Now she's the secretary of state. She's been running around doing that for the last four years. Everything has lined up perfectly for her. When she was interviewed a couple of years ago about whether or not she would make another run at president of the United States, she said, nah, probably not. I think my time is up for that. But now she has a golden opportunity President Barack Obama is going to be term limited, so he can't run again in 2016. The Democrat Party, really not a lot of great candidates coming up the ranks here, at least not in the foreseeable future. So she sees some daylight and she wants to get some distance between herself and the Benghazi situation. So she is doing this, I think, at a perfect time, resigning now, setting herself up for a run at the presidency in 2016. Very smart move. With all of that having been said, though, I don't take all of this at face value and just say, oh, man, what an amazing coincidence. Here's General Petraeus. He's suddenly facing a marital affair and has to step down as head of the CIA. And, oh, look, uh, Secretary of State Clinton, uh, she's stepping down. And Robert Gates, he's out of there. And all of this happening after Benghazi, I, you know, it's just all a giant coincidence. It really, really is. Um, no, it, it's not. There's nothing coincidental about any of this. You're going to tell me the day after the election, that's when General Petraeus decides to step down. And interestingly enough, the media has done a great job in helping out here, too. They have kept the Benghazi story out of the press for the most part since it happened, primarily. This is really just an unbelievable situation, and I am... I am going to be very interested to see how the Republicans in the House handle this over the next uh, couple of months or few months. I'll be very interested to see exactly how it plays out in the media and really what all of this means for Hillary Clinton, General Petraeus, 
uh, Barack Obama and everybody else that was involved in this. Once again, I am not sitting here advocating for impeachment proceedings against President Obama. However, the more information that comes out, the more that it looks like there is a grand cover-up that went on surrounding our Libyan consulate, the attack that occurred on September 11th. I am really, really curious. And the American people definitely have a right to know exactly what happened and what people knew and when. All right, on that note guess we'll take a break. Oh man, it is such a crazy convoluted bunch of news and we're just getting started folks. We still have a lot of other stuff to get into. We have recession talk around the country and I'll give you my thoughts on all of that. The fact that there is so much talk, especially from the state of Texas regarding recession, but they're not the only ones. We'll get into it. We've got the Michael Graff show stupid news file. That should really be in the stupid news file. And uh, so much more. There's a lot of stuff to get to. Oh, and a brand new feature that I want to roll out today on the podcast. Hopefully, you'll enjoy that. It's all coming up. It's the Zip Code Famous Michael Groff Show. The Michael Groff Show. You passive-aggressive bitch. This is... Knock it off. I don't like it any more than you do. The Michael Groff Show. from the Constitutional Federal Republic of Arizona. It's the zip code famous Michael Grav Show. A little recession talk coming up in just a moment. First, contact information for the program, Mike at KMGX.com. Email, Michael Grav Show, AOL Instant Messenger, Grav Show on Google Talk, and Michael Grav on Twitter. For anything and everything else Michael Grav related, you can always go to the website, MichaelGrav.com. Post your feedback, leave your reaction, sign up, subscribe to our podcast so you'll get email notifications whenever we have a brand new show. Of course, don't forget to whitelist our site so that it doesn't go to your spam filter. And of course, you can donate to us there. It's all available at the one and only michaelgroff.com. Why not get into it? After all, we did have an election and nowadays... Whenever an election doesn't go your way, I guess this is what we're going to do. I'm just going to take my bat, ball, and state, and I'm going to form my own damn union. Yeah, that's, that's the American way. God bless America. Uh-huh. Land I love. Oh, man. Stand beside her. Right, unless you lose an election. Uh-huh. So if you go to petitions.whitehouse.gov slash petitions, you'll see that now 47 states have posted online petitions wishing to peaceably 
separate from the United States of America. Although this got started with Texas. They, of course, cite various reasons, including the signing of the NDA, uh, NDAA, rather, and the formation of the TSA and other federal agencies and the expansion of government as the reason they wish to withdraw from the union. Of course, this just happens to coincide with the re-election of President Barack Obama. Now, while I'm... I don't want to take this far too seriously. I don't want to make it a whole rant, but it does certainly speak to the nature of the American people these days. We have become even more polarized than ever. And now we're at the point whenever there's a re-election of a candidate we don't like or an election of a candidate we don't like, what are we going to do? We're just going to whine and cry about it and become petulant babies. I can't believe he, he won re-election. We're going to secede from the union. Remember back in 2009, Governor Rick Perry of the state of Texas said, we're not ruling out a secession from the union. It's certainly all of our options are on the table. People have become frustrated. I understand it. All right, I get it. You're frustrated with the federal government. Some people are frustrated with the expansion of power, such as the NDAA, which Obama signed, with the formation of the TSA, which occurred under the Bush administration. And with a general feeling that with ridiculous deficit and debt and no sign of any sort of turnaround economically anytime soon, you've had it. You're fed up. You're done. Secession from the union seems like, boy, what a great idea. And apparently, so what people have decided to do is they took to the White House website, which they have a petition section that was set up under the Obama administration. They want to hear from the people, so they... They post various petitions. Uh, one recently was an online petition to get the White House to release their beer recipe. The White House had some sort of great brew that they had served at a dinner party. And so around 13,000 signatures were collected and the White House decided, all right, we're going to release our beer recipe. And on the White House website, it says that they want to hear from you, the people. We, the people, is actually the section that it's called. And if they get enough participation, garner enough signatures, the petition is turned over to the appropriate policymaker. Now, they cite here that the threshold required for such commentary from the White House, an official comment will be given from the White House at 25,000 signatures. And as of the time of this podcast, the secession petition for the state of Texas has gathered 72,000 signatures. So the White House needs to release an official comment. And I'm just going to do it for you. I'm actually going to do this on behalf of the White House. Here is the official White House comment to all of you who signed the secession petition for the state of Texas. Shut up. Just shut the hell up. That is the official position from the White House, or at least it should be. That response right there, you could copy and paste to all 47 states that have created petitions on the White House website to secede from the union. Yes, as of right now, only three states have not created a secession petition. Those are Washington, Vermont, and Maine. Washington, I understand. Why secede from the union? You just legalized marijuana. You, you're, you're good. You're all right. Uh, Vermont, nobody cares about because, well, they have Bernie Sanders as their senator. It's practically a socialist republic anyway. So I get that. And then Maine, Maine is basically just another province of Canada. It's like South, Southern Canada right there, Maine. It's like, uh, it's kind of like if Maine seceded from the union and no one was there to care about it, did they really secede? Doesn't really matter. We don't care about Maine. Texas we care about, but I'll say this. If Texas really wants to secede from the union, I'll hold the door open for you guys. Go on. 
just get on out of here. I'll keep the door open. Let you let you file on out. Um, we'll turn the lights out for you and don't come back. That's fine by me. Texas wants to secede. That's fine. Incidentally, yeah, 47 states. Um, uh, the only state that I ever really think has a realistic chance of seceding from the union, honestly, Hawaii. It's no secret they don't really like us. Uh, they don't like mainlanders. They call us Howleys or whatever. Of all the states, I really think that there is, there's often been a very serious movement about seceding from the union in Hawaii. I know Montana had something of a serious discussion about it, something maybe 10, 12 years ago, something like that. But otherwise, I really don't think anyone is going to secede from the union. The only state I would ever really give that much of a chance to ever would be Hawaii. And then meanwhile, on the other side, Puerto Rico is sitting there. They're like, hey, we want in. Hello? Hello? We want into the union. We're, we're voting on it here. We want in. So I don't know. Maybe we'll have 51 stars very soon. Maybe we'll have 46. Maybe we'll have two. I really don't know. Frankly, I don't care. And I'm not really going to give it much serious thought. I, I don't know. It's just something to throw around. And this is something that's going to be talked about, I guess, now after every election. So if a Republican wins, if a Democrat wins, doesn't really matter. God forbid that a libertarian or an independent ever wins an election because then the, everybody will start bitching. Certainly is fun to think about regardless, though, but I wouldn't really give it much more serious discussion than what we've done here. All right, moving along to the Michael Groff Show stupid news file. Kind of all over the place today. Just a lot of things on my desk here, but... This is from Brazil. This is good. You know those uh, those love motels. Here's one for you. Heart-shaped ceiling mirror? Check. Curtains drawn against the bright day? Check. Red mattress? Check. The establishment that opened here this year has features that demanding clients naturally expect from a love motel. Brazil, after all, is a world leader in those short-stay pleasure palaces, which beckon couples for trysts away from prying eyes with names like Swing absinthe and alibi and design motifs from medieval castles or even the american wild west but Bilo horizonte's newest love motel stands apart from all the rest it stands above the crowd because of one very crucial aspect it's a love motel for dogs yeah animale mundo pet it is an eight-story enterprise in an upscale district in the city of 2.4 million people. Introduced its dog motel alongside aisles featuring items uh, like uh, beef-flavored dog beer, a dog spa with a Japanese uforo soaking tub, and canine apparel emblazoned with the symbols of the local soccer clubs, such as, uh, whatever this is, at Tolico. Maniro and Cruzeiro. Quote, I adore the romantic feel of this place, said Hedria Forid, 43, a manager of a technology company who peeked inside the motel pet one recent morning. And uh, she, she and her husband were in a uh, clothing buying spree for their Yorkshire Terrier. The couple, who are motorcycle enthusiasts, bought about $500 worth of imported Harley Davidson brand items for their dog. You got to love those people that buy clothes for their dog and they pamper their dog and they, they do all sorts of stuff. They have like a very special like $400 a blend type dog food and they put them up in dog kennels. Not even like kennels, but these like, well, just like this, some, some sort of 
five-star luxury hotel that most human beings would never be able to afford to stay in? Listen, I have no problem with people that want to pamper their pets a little bit, take care of them. That's fine. I get it. I understand people have a certain amount of love for their pet. They treat them as family, and that's great. That's wonderful. I think, though, that the line has to be drawn in the sand right about here. Like, for example, quote, I'm definitely bringing Harley back here when it's time for him to breed. A smiling Miss Fury said, quote, he is very macho and would be a hit in this place. Whether dogs like Harley actually need a romantic, curtained-off suite to breed seems beside the point. Some dog owners simply like the concept of a love motel for their animals, for their pets, and um, they're willing to pay $50 for each session, which Animale will happily arrange. If it does not work out as planned, some are prepared to pay even more for artificial insemination, another of Animale's services. Really? Artificial insemination for your pet? It's time people really... I, listen, I get it. You love your pet. I understand it. People like their, their animals and you're willing to pamper them. How far do you go? Come on. Come on. Come on. Really? Artificial insemination. All right. Well, hey. The beehive-like atmosphere of Belo Horizonte's pet megastore, which employs a staff of 35, not counting the veterinarians on call points out only to Brazil's surging pet dog population, now at about 36 million, but also to major changes in Brazilian society after years of economic growth and shifting demographic patterns. Similar stories thrive in the large Brazilian cities. In Sao Paulo, in Sao Paulo a public hospital for dogs and cats has been opened, and some plastic surgeons provide Botox injections for dogs. Okay, drawing the line. If your economy is doing so well that you can now take care of your pets, it's time It's time that we go in and start raiding your, your treasury. All right, that's it. Plastic surgery for dogs, it's time to draw the line. All right, I, I'm will Look, a dog hospital... Fine, I get it. That's treatment. That's health care for a dog. Get it. That's cool. Plastic. Really, if you inject Botox into your animal, you ought to be locked away for animal cruelty. I'm absolutely dead serious about that. I understand reconstructive surgery for a dog that may have had um, an accident of some kind. But really, Botox injections? Have we gotten so vain in this society that now we're going to take our pets... And we're going to bring them to plastic surgeons so they are some of the beautiful people or beautiful animals as well. Wow. Since an economic stabilization program was put into effect in the late uh, 1990s, per capita income has risen sharply in Brazil to about $10,700 a year, according to the World Bank, allowing people to spend more on pets. Families have gotten smaller with Brazil's family rate declining to less than 1.9 children per woman from 2.5 in the 1990s. So people are having less kids and raising dogs. That's really what's happening. The emergence of a middle class in Brazil in particular has led to a rapid growth in services for dogs and their enthusiastic owners. In some niches, uh, Brazil surpasses the United States in other high-income countries. The nation is number one in per capita ownership of small dogs weighing 20 pounds or less, with nearly 20 million, according to Euromonitor, a market research company. Quote, I was tired of practicing law and saw that the dog market was taking off, said 
Denalia Guadamiris Lores, 28, a Dalmatian owner who invested $1 million with her brother to open Animale in July. Referring to figures published in Brazilian trade magazines like Pet Business, she said pet shops in the country generate more than $6 billion in total annual revenue. To open the dog motel, the siblings leased a former children's hospital in Gutierrez, a leafy area of Belo Horizonte. They now offer lodging for dogs and cats, a pet taxi that picks up the uh, and delivers the animals, a dog cafe selling delicacies like beef-flavored muffins, and a store selling specialty products like Chic Animale, which is a perfume for dogs that is produced in Porto Algere, which is a city in southern Brazil. It sells for $40 a bottle. Again, I, I really want to make this very clear. I love animals. Now, I'm allergic to animals, so it's, I don't ever foresee myself as being a pet owner per se. But I do love animals. I think animals are great. I think that you should take care of animals. If, you, if you're going to get a dog, I mean, it really pisses me off when I see people that have animals and then all of a sudden they, they're having a baby, so they get rid of their dog or cat or whatever. So I want to make it clear that I don't believe in people that just ditch their animals, and I believe that it's part of the family to some extent and whatnot. But there's pampering your animal, and then there's just going way overboard. Then there's just excessive vanity. There's excessive... And I know people are going to say, well, Mike, who cares? If they want to spend their money like that, then that's fine. I'm not saying shut down the damn thing. Although I am saying maybe you shouldn't be a pet owner if you're injecting Botox into it. I'm sorry. There's just a line right there that does seem a little bit cruel and unnecessary. I guess the message that you get out of this story is that we are a very strange society with very messed up priorities, if nothing else. We're a bunch of weirdos. We really are. Everybody. Everybody's weird. It's just another example of that. All right, keeping in that motif of stupid and weird, um, this is always funny. I'm going to play something for you. This is from NBC News in Providence. They stopped their Hurricane Sandy or their Superstorm Sandy coverage just so they could give their birthday shout-outs. You know, in morning news programs like to do that, they give their birthday shout-outs to various people. And it's always funny whenever they get fake names or, or messed up names and uh, they don't bother to preview these. They just put them on the air. I don't know why. Maybe it's the seven-year-old in me that finds this funny, but here you go. ...coverage of Sandy. We can't forget first birthdays. Let's pass some greetings along. Happy first birthday, Ijad Fatet of Johnston. <laughs> Happy first birthday, Dawn Keebals of Cranston. Happy... Uh, he doesn't pronounce it correctly, but uh, Ijez Fadid is one. And then Donkey Balls. Don Keyballs. That's uh, another name. <laughs> I don't know. That's It's always great because a... A broadcast affiliate. They actually have time. It's not like a prank call that gets on the air. They always have time to preview these and nobody bothers to look at it and goes, huh, that doesn't look right. That's the oldest joke in the book. Yeah, the 18th century called. They want their joke back. Stuff like that is always going to make me laugh for some reason or another. This is also going to make me laugh. This is some audio from a commercial that plays on the air. I believe this is in Birmingham, Alabama. Debbie Gibson is doing a jingle for a gun store in Alabama. This is the tactical Hoover Tactical Firearms Gun Store. And Debbie Gibson, you know, the pop star from the 80s, she had some hits, and they describe her as an R&B singer, but whatever. Here she is doing the jingle for a gun store in Alabama. Man, how the mighty have fallen. 
Firearms provides a comfortable atmosphere to shop and train for your personal protection needs. Yeah. Ladies, did you know that female firearm purchases account for a large number of Hoover Tactical Firearm sales? Only courteous professionalism brings that many women to shop at Hoover Tactical Firearms. Everyone is equal. Protect yourself. Go buy Hoover Tactical Firearms' new state-of-the-art facility on Highway 31 today. Open Monday through Saturday, yeah. 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. and Sundays from 1 to 7 p.m. A Hoover gun Tactical commercial Firearms. specifically targeted toward females. That's Debbie Gibson doing a Hoover Tactical Firearms commercial in Alabama. You know, she had number one hits back in the 80s. She actually charted. I mean, she was a big star for a little while in the music biz. I don't know what happened, but there she is doing a firearms commercial. And also, that's a very interesting marketing campaign. A very kind of sedate jingle for a gun store. Seems like a weird dichotomy. I don't know. It's, it's Alabama. Guns sell no matter what. Speaking of gun sales, following the re-election of President Barack Obama, gun sales have gone through the roof, as you might expect. It always happens on any presidential election. But of course, whenever a Democrat is elected in office, gun sales jump even more. So, for example, in October, the number of background checks on people applying for guns, which is, of course, an indication of future gun sales, it increased by 18.4%. This, of course, was a similar jump to when Barack Obama was first elected in 2008. A total of 12.7 million background checks were carried out that year, up from 11.2 million the year before. And the number has been rising since then. Shares in weapons manufacturers such as Smith & Wesson and Ruger also have surged on Mr. Obama's re-election. This is uh, this is crazy. People are just buying up guns like mad. They figure that tighter regulations are around the corner, so that's why they always do this. Because sooner or later, you know that there's going to be some type of clampdown. There's going to be a ban on assault rifles, or there's going to be a ban on something, or a it's going to become uh, more difficult to purchase guns, so people buy them up as fast as they can. You know, we had heard there was a House bill that circulated shortly after Obama was elected, now, it never actually went through. Nothing came of it because I don't think it even got out of committee. But there was a bill that was circulating around that uh, they wanted to have a federal regulation on ammunition sold and put a special chemical in gunpowder of all ammunition sold where uh, after about six months or a year, the powder would, uh, would basically become you know, nothing. It wouldn't fire anymore. And so it would, it would give it like a half-life to bullets so that they wouldn't last more than about a year or so. This would prevent people from stocking up on excessive amounts of ammunition. Now, again, that bill never got out of committee, as far as I know. Nevertheless, this is exactly why people start stocking up on guns and on ammunition, because every time somebody gets it, and look, President Obama really hasn't made um, guns or the Second Amendment any kind of issue, because I think he knows better than to touch that. If there is one thing that always sparks controversy and draws more attention than you probably want, it's whenever you try to go after the gun lobby in this country. Whenever you try to go after the Second Amendment, the NRA, um, Republicans, even some Democrats will get on your case about it. Not a good idea.
Americans, they still are concerned about their Second Amendment rights, uh, especially in the wake of President Obama's reelection. And I, I expect gun sales to continue to go up. In fact, some gun stores say that they're on back order for months to try and supply weapons to people. Okay, uh, where to go from here? I guess we'll take a break. When we come back, we'll have a lot more stuff, including more of the Michael Graff Show's Stupid News File. I have a couple of nominees for Parent of the Year. One is for a Mother of the Year, one for a Father. They're both kind of disturbing and gross. Uh, one especially, the Father of the Year story is especially weird. Um, I would, uh, I don't know, might make you wretch. Also, a brand new feature I'm going to roll out in the program. Yes, we're going to incorporate more social media into the program. L a little bit here. That's something that is probably uh, important. Maybe you'll like it. Hopefully you will. If you do, it'll be a feature that sticks around. It'll be a stalwart part of the program. All right, um, that's it. We'll take a break and be back. It's the Zip Code Famous Michael Groff Show. What the devil is that ghastly noise? The Michael Groff Show. If I lay here If I just lay here Would you lie with me And just forget the world Something that I can't quite explain I'm so in love with you You'll never take that away And if I said it a hundred times before Expect a thousand more Never take that away Expect me to be calling you to see If you're okay when I'm not around Asking do you love me I love the way you make it sound Calling you to see Do I try too hard to make you smile To make us smile Back with segment number three It's the Zip Code Famous Michael Grav Show on a Tuesday Which is actually... Led over into Wednesday. Mike at KMGX.com is our email address. It's Mike at KMGX.com. Michael Groff Show on AOL Instant Messenger. That's M-I-C-H-A-E-L-G-R-O-F-F -F Show. AOL Instant Messenger. Groff Show on Google Talk. Michael Groff, the handle on Twitter. And MichaelGroff.com for everything Michael Groff related. You can leave your feedback on this podcast. You can subscribe to get email notifications whenever we post a brand new show. You can, of course, donate to this program because you just love it so much and you want it to stay on the air forever and ever and ever. So you'll donate to us. All of that and more can be done at the one and only michaelgroff.com. The following is probably considered sacrilege, but I feel that it really does have to be brought up. And I'm sorry that I'm the one that has to say it. We've been talking about this very topic on the program for years now. But the NFL continues to become increasingly mediocre. It is a league that has many rule changes, including the convoluted, needlessly convoluted, overtime rule changes that they made in the last uh, year. 
And of course, the incorporation of free agency about 20 years ago, not to mention the fact that teams now just stack one side of the ball or the other, has made for a borderline unwatchable product on the field, especially when you get later on in the season. All right. Well, that said, another nail driven into the coffin over the weekend when the San Francisco 49ers hosted the St. Louis Rams. And after more than an hour of football action, the game ends in a tie. Yes, for the first time since 2008, an NFL regular season game ends in a tie. I'm sorry, but uh, all the other major sports in the U.S., the NHL, when they're not on strike, um, the NBA, Major League Baseball, they cannot ever have an outcome that ends in a tie in either an exhibition or a regular season or playoff game. Just doesn't happen. It can't happen. And the NFL needs to move into the 21st century and realize that with a, a product, look, we already are rolling our eyes at all the rule changes and all the ridiculousness that is the NFL nowadays. Nevertheless, just another thing for us to scoff at when a game can possibly end in a tie. It's ridiculous. It's pointless. It's stupid. It screws up the standings. There's just no point to it. Play the game. Have an outcome. We want an outcome in a damn game. And really, it just it's just another byproduct of mediocrity in the league anyway. Let me just add to that. So whoever decided that the Kansas City Chiefs should be on Monday Night Football probably should be shot or banned from the country or something. Something bad should happen to that person. Actually, the Kansas City Chiefs are on national television three times this year. The one in seven Chiefs, this was Monday night, going into the game, they were one in seven. So the Chiefs are terrible. They finally recover a turnover run it back to the end zone, score a touchdown, and then decide to have a ridiculously long team celebration. They get flagged for the penalty for having said celebration. The problem was the touchdown didn't even count anyway because the play was blown dead long before that on a penalty uh, way up the field. So the Kansas City Chiefs, I mean, how many touchdowns have they scored this century? Like four? Unbelievable. They are absolutely awful. They are now 1-8 and eight on the season, and they were on Monday Night Football. Now, the worst part about that game is Ben Roethlisberger goes down with an injury. Actually, that's fine. One of the few people I've ever rooted for to get an injury in sports is Ben Roethlisberger. The other one, I think, is Dennis Rodman. Cannot stand Ben Roethlisberger. All right? The most overrated player ever. A guy that, uh, you know, I don't know. He's, I guess he has a, a kid that has been born now or is expecting. I don't know. Whatever. Um, was that a kid from uh, from a sexual assault or was that like a legit kid? I don't know. I, I really don't know what the deal is. Uh, but Ben Roethlisberger injured, which is fine. The problem is more marquee players are getting injured at a fevered pitch across the league. Uh, Michael Vick went down over the weekend. Jay Cutler got injured. Alex Smith down. Now Ben Roethlisberger. And those are just marquee quarterbacks. Never mind all of the other players that were uh, that were hurt uh, over the weekend and players that are dinged up. The best games in the NFL occur in the first couple of weeks of the season when everybody is still healthy. After that, the league gets further and further watered down. It won't be long before guys on the practice squad are coming out to play in regular season games. Unbelievable. The fact that teams are considering playing Josh McCown or Matt Leinert 
or other guys that were on the scrap heap and former Arizona Cardinals, I might add, guys that were on the scrap heap, the fact that these guys are going to get any playing time whatsoever is just another testament to the continued mediocre performance of this league. There is not a dominant team in the NFL. Give me one dominant team. You can say, okay, Mike, well, the Houston Texans, they have only one loss. They've looked pretty good. Yeah, except for the fact that uh, the Green Bay Packers went went there and uh, they destroyed, they, they scored 41 points on Houston a few weeks ago. All right? There is not one single team you can point to in this league and go, oh my God, they are dominant. They are definitely winning the Super Bowl. That's it. You could do that years ago. You could do that in the 90s. Certainly the the Cowboys were probably the last great dynasty in the league. Maybe the New England Patriots. But even then, I don't know if I would say dominant. I don't know. Hard to say. Maybe. Maybe. But uh, anything after the 90s is hard to say. But this league has been just going downhill in a hurry. Now, that's not to say that I don't enjoy watching football, and it's not to say that the league is going to you know, become insolvent anytime soon. Look, uh, they're thinking about going to an 18-game schedule. They're still going to do that. This league becomes unwatchable by about November or December as it is. An 18-game schedule is only going to make it worse. Why do it? Oh, yeah, I forgot, because there's more money in an 18-game schedule. Las Vegas loves it because it means more gambling on the games. And uh, I don't know. Of course, the gambling on the games is going to be more chaotic than it already is because an already unpredictable league is going to become even further so. The difference between good and bad is a very fine line in this league. Parity... It's not even parity anymore. Almost every team is pretty much on equal footing. There's a few good teams. There's a whole lot of mediocre teams. And then there's like a couple of really bad teams, like the Kansas City Chiefs, for example. They are really bad. And I mean really, really bad. That is probably, definitely, it's the worst team. They're even worse than the Raiders. They are. Um, Wow. (laughs) I can't believe it. All right. Well, I'm sorry. I know that I said something here. I know that I've gone down a road that in the United States, it's just considered sacrilege. You don't do it. You don't bash the NFL, but it's time somebody speaks up and says, this league is just, oh, and incidentally, the replacement officials, it looks like the replacement officials came back this week. Oh, those were the regular officials. Well, they looked like the replacement officials. I've never seen worse officiating in a week than I did there. And the use of replay I thought the point of replay was to get the calls right. Apparently, officials use replay just to waste everyone's time because they'll look at it, clearly see that the the call needs to be overturned, such as a forward pass versus a fumble. Um, Boy, if you want to see actually bad officiating, go watch the replay of that Niners Niners, uh, uh, Rams game where one of the uh, where the guy that's running the clock, the scoreboard operator, lets more than a minute tick off of the clock while they're doing a measurement to see if a guy gets a first down. They're moving the chains and doing measurement and and of course the clock is supposed to stop during that. The clock continues to run and nobody noticed until later in the game. A whole minute, more than a minute, about a minute and 6 seconds ticked off the clock and nobody noticed. <laughs> that is like, that's like junior varsity high school kind of stuff where they take time off the clock just to move the game along faster because, you know, it's so bad. Nobody wants to watch junior varsity high school football. But um, that was embarrassing. It is it's bad. I don't know what's going on with the NFL. 
I know, I know it's still football is king. It's the moneymaker. But there's got to be a point where it gets so bad that even the fans start going, all right, we've got to change the rules here. As it is, you can't even hit anybody anymore without there being a fine or some kind of arbitrary penalty. It's getting to the point where the quarterbacks, um, they get to count to about five Mississippi before you're allowed to touch them. That's how it is. It's like flag football out there. All right, I've got a couple of nominees for Parent of the Year. First of all, in the Father of the Year category, here we go. This is actually a, a British story. The Brits getting involved in the show. Here we go. Proud mom Katrina Yates was thrilled when her daughter, Nicola, had fallen in love. She could hardly wait to meet the man who was making her girls so happy. But for months, Nicola refused to introduce her new boyfriend to the family, and Katrina wondered why her daughter was being so cagey. Nothing could have prepared her more for the shocking truth. Her daughter was sleeping with the man who had once lovingly cradled her in his arms. Yes, her estranged biological father, Andrew Butler. Yeah. Nicola had found her dad on the internet and they began an incestuous affair. Disgusted by the discovery, Katrina turned her daughter into the police. Last year, after 47-year-old Butler was jailed for admitting to sex with an adult relative, Nicola, 27, vowed to have nothing more to do with him. But now, Butler has been freed, he's been released from prison, and Nicola had disappeared. So the speculation here is that the father has gotten out of jail and he killed the daughter and now she is gone. She is, uh, she's been dumped in a river or something like that. So that's, uh, there you go. Father of the year, uh, I guess hooking up with the, uh, with the estranged daughter and, uh, having an incestuous relationship. Gross. Incest is not just limited to Arkansas. It is an international pastime, I suppose. Um, pretty gross. All right. This story equally gross, a, uh, nominee for mother of the year. Here you go. A mother of two accused of running a $750,000 a year online escort agency said she started working in the vice because, quote, her two favorite things in the world are money and sex. By the way, this is also a British story. Man, the Brits, great parenting going on over there. Marie McKinley, 40, is alleged to have employed up to 25 high-class hookers who could provide anything from the girlfriend experience to porn star experience. They charged as much as 300 pounds an hour and 1,500 pounds for overnight bookings that had to, quote, include some sleep. She is said to have made more than 350,000 pounds in profits from the uh, activity, from the racket in the last three years. Giving evidence, McKinley who denies controlling a, a lucrative prostitution ring. She told South Bank Crown Court that she formed the agency in 2002 with five other women where uh, women were in control of their own actions. Asked why she began in, in the first place, she said, quote, I've been asked this question many times over the years, and the way I answer it is this. My two favorite things in the world are money and sex. I absolutely love both of them and a job that allows me to put them both together. Why wouldn't I? This woman is like a Heidi Fleiss. She's like the British Heidi Fleiss. She has like a, a whole prostitution ring going on. She's uh, making money hand over fist. It's crazy. She said that she had been able to meet, quote, a class of gentlemen that she would have never met before. Oh, yes. 
you know, people with a lot of money that are uh, too socially awkward to get laid on their own, so they have to pay for sex. That's the class of people that you're meeting. I would have never been able to meet this quality individual, somebody who has to pay for sex. <laughs> yeah, what a class of people. There, there's a boast right there, if I've ever heard one. She says, uh, yeah, I would have never been able to meet wealthy people, not just wealthy people, people who worked in certain careers like the city. It opened me up to meeting a broader spectrum of people that I had ever met before. Yeah, like, um, you know, gaming nerds who uh, get a windfall when their parents die and for some reason leave them everything they have. And now they're a gaming nerd with like a million bucks in a trust fund. So like, well, I could have never gotten a girlfriend before, but now I can because I can pay for it. Quote, I had a couple of trips to Dubai, Paris, Geneva, staying in five-star hotels, places that, that had I not been doing this job, I could never have afforded to go. I saw a different side of life. I saw a life that I wanted to see. You know, drug dealers use the exact same kind of argument. Man, I would have never been able to afford a car like this had I not been uh, smuggling blow. Prosecutors claim that the former escort who is currently pregnant again bankrolled her two daughters' private school education with her profits from the agency called Allure and rented a 1,500-pound-a-month four-bedroom home. Huh. She's pregnant again. Hey, if you're an escort and you get pregnant, just so you know, you're doing it wrong. They say her online escort agency was no more than a front for a prostitution racket. Well, of course, that's every escort agency. Every escort is a prostitution ring or every escort is a prostitute. Well, most escorts are prostitutes. I'm sure there's like a legitimate one or two out there. I'm sure that if I ever got so desperate that I needed to go get an escort, I needed to pay for sex. I'm sure the one time I would pay, I'd get the legit escort. I'd be like, all right, so uh, yeah, I, I, I got you over here. All right, so we're going to just hang out for a while. You get to hang out with a woman. Yeah, um, I, I want sex also. Yeah, I'm, I'm an escort. I'm an escort, Mr. Groff. I am legitimate. Oh, okay. Great. That would, I'd get the one, if I ever got that bad, I, I believe me, the gun would have been in my mouth long before it ever got to that point for me. Quote, it was not a large turnover, so whatever was left after the advertising, I kept. There were no shifts, we could start whenever we wanted, finish whenever we wanted, there were no fines for missing appointments, we could turn down any client that we did not want to see, we did not have to travel to the clients in the back of beyond if we did not want to. Oh, so you, you did in-calls, out-calls. You did everything. All right, good for you. Mark Seymour, who I guess is the attorney for McKinley, asked what she saw her role as in Allure. She replied, quote, I found clients for them, which is what they asked me to do. So you were a pimp. So yeah, you set up a prostitution ring. I mean, I don't see if prostitution is illegal, which I don't understand why it is really. Let's face it. Prostitution goes on everywhere, anywhere. You just use laws to circumvent it. Use the escort laws to circumvent it. I don't know why it's illegal. Nevertheless, it is illegal. So why is this even an issue? Why isn't this woman just locked away? She's a mother of two. She's pregnant again with God knows whose child. Client number 7648. Hmm. All right. Well, anyway, that's uh, there's your parent of the year. The, the case goes on. There's actually a lot more detail to this, but who cares? Who wants to get into the salacious details of all of that? I like how they describe the different packages you can get. You can have a porn star experience or a girlfriend experience. I don't know what the difference is. As somebody that's never had to pay for sex, 
I don't understand the difference. I guess they're different types of sex or, or a different type of person. A w- more wild person is the porn star experience. I guess you get more kinky stuff and crazy freaky stuff going on with the porn star experience. Unless, of course, it's the L.A. porn star experience. You know, in, in Los Angeles, we didn't even talk about this on the show. You know, they passed that measure B in Los Angeles. And all porn stars are now required to wear condoms during their porn shoots. I'm, I'm totally serious. Uh, once this law is actually implemented, and it won't be implemented until the uh, health department finds a way to actually enforce the law, to implement the law. But after that, um, porn stars, if you make a porn movie in L.A., you'll be required to wear a condom. So, of course, some of these porn studios are saying, well, we'll just pick up and move to another area. We'll go to Florida, Phoenix, or Las Vegas. They're nearby. Well, Florida, uh, Vegas and Phoenix are nearby. Florida still has the nice sunny weather that we crave so much from Southern California. So we'll just move there. We'll go someplace else. Screw you and your condom laws. There, that'll take care of it, I guess. <laughs> I must admit, porn with condoms, it's probably got to be something a little bit weird. Like, uh, like imagine, uh, well, whatever. I'm not even going to get into it. Who cares? All right. And now before we go, we have a brand new feature that we're going to roll out on this program. A little incorporation of social media here. It's time to take a look at celebrity tweets, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, we're going to take a look, a sampling of random tweets that are sent to celebrities at the time of this recording of the podcast, or we scroll back a little bit and take a look. Again, randomly, I do not select these in advance. I'm just going to take a quick look. We read like one or two or three or whatever from a random celebrity's Twitter account just to see what people are saying about them. The cheers, the jeers, the comments that people make. We'll take a at least marginally prominent celebrity all the way up. It doesn't matter who they are. It could be, uh, could be a, a musician, an artist of some type, a head of state, political figure, an athlete, who knows. I figure, though, that... Uh, for the first, for the test flight of this, I figured that we would take a look at uh, at Barack Obama's Twitter. I just want to see what the kind of comments that Barack Obama gets on his Twitter account. So let's take a look at those right now. Let me just uh, read these again, and I will read them verbatim with, you know, at least some, I- I'll decode at least a few of the, uh, the abbreviations when and where necessary. But uh, let's see here. Benghazi and GOP biased partisan destructive politics. Where were you before Barack Obama was elected president of the United States? All right. Here's another one. I'm effing crying at me and my nigga President Obama. 64-year-old Caucasian male writes F Obama on will and commits suicide because Barack Obama was reelected. Like WTF. Let's see. Is there any more here? All right. Let's look at a couple more. Uh, Here's one. My list of sexiest men alive. Barack Obama, Jon Stewart, Brandon Beachy. End of list. Jon Stewart, sexy, really? I'm trying to do this segment without commenting, all right? So I'm I'm just reading. I'm just reading tweets that are on Barack Obama's Twitter page, all right? Barack Obama can press my flesh any day. Okay. Well, there you go. There's some exciting tweets. Just a little sampling, the pearls of wisdom that you can find from the Barack Obama Twitter page. That is a brand new feature on this program. Maybe we'll try again with another celebrity. Um, I don't know. That, that Did that really work out so well? That didn't work out as well as I had planned. Maybe we need some more production value on that. Maybe some music or maybe some kind of intro for it. I don't know. It's the maiden voyage. It's the pilot episode of that. Celebrity tweets. Why not? It is good to know. It's good to see what kind of stuff people are saying about 
celebrities or what kind of stuff people write on other uh, celebrities' Twitter pages. As it turns out, uh, most of the stuff is just mindless drivel. That was just random stuff that I saw while I was scrolling through here. I didn't really handpick anything. I just read what I saw on the screen, all right? All right. Well, contact information for the program, Mike at KMGX.com. That is our email address. It is Mike at KMGX.com. Michael Groff Show on AOL Instant Messenger. M-I-C-H-A-E-L-G-R-O-F-F Show on AOL Instant Messenger. Groff Show on Google Talk. Michael Groff is the handle on my Twitter. And what else? What else? Oh, yes, of course. Well, how could I forget? For anything else, everything else that could be related to me, you can go to the one and only michaelgroff.com. While you're there, you can leave your feedback on this or any other podcast. Make a donation to this show. We always appreciate that. Sign yourself up to get email notifications every time a brand new podcast is posted. Remember, though, you do need to whitelist our site so that our notifications do not go to your spam folder, especially if you use Gmail, all right? And uh, what else? Well, just anything and everything you could possibly want. It's all there at the one and only michaelgroff.com. In fact, there's even a... Uh, we even have a, a few of my recent tweets. You can see the Twitter page from michaelgroff.com. So there you go. All right, well, that's it. Uh, we'll see you next time. Thank you so much for joining us. I promise more frequent podcasts in the future. Do not roll your eyes when I say that. There will be more. I assure you. All right. Thank you for listening. Do appreciate it. Have a great night, everybody. See you next time. Good night. You know, I really do need to figure out a better way to wrap this up, don't I? Bye. That works. Bye.